Hello, and welcome to episode 149 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, I have an interview with Jonathan Hadrick, the writer of Freak Show Nights on Kickstarter Now, Freak Show Princess, Capable, and The Recount, an upcoming title from Scout Comics. Jonathan, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Um, why don't you give us a quick bio about yourself, and then we'll get into some making, com- making comics uh, discussion. Sure. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm a fairly new independent comic book writer. I've been on the scene for about maybe a year and a half now, but I've been writing um, all sorts of formats all my life. And um, about a year and a half ago, I uh, decided to try to um, take some of those older stories and reformat them into the comic book style script and looked into self-publishing on my own. And that's where I'm at now. It's uh, led to this, which has been pretty um amazing to be this far uh and so f- new into the game of uh self-publishing independent comic books so um, i'm really excited about it nice uh so you said earlier that you'd been writing in different forms what were those different forms was i was like trying to do a novel screenplays what were you trying to do mostly a short story format that that was my thing um i like just three thousand words or less um and those are the type of stories that fit well into like a, a one-shot comic book, which Freak Show Princess, which was my first um, comic book that I self-published, was originally a short story that I wrote 10 years ago. Tried to publish in uh, online magazines and so forth, but didn't get picked up. So I let it collect the digital dust, per se, and then um, decided to change it up a little bit. And that's where I got the, the comic book from. So a year and a half ago, uh, what was sort of the spark of inspiration to, to, to you know, concentrate on the, the, the form of, of writing for, for comics? Yeah, so I was trying to actually get involved in reviewing comic, comic books. And that was actually a really hard uh, game to, to get into. Uh, reviewing, uh, now that I'm a, a self-published comic book writer, I find that reviewing comics is even more difficult. But... Um, I saw a live YouTube interview with a comic book creator named Doug Wagner. He has um, a couple of comic books out there. One's called Plastic, another one's called The Ride. Um, I really admire him and look up to him. And I asked him what advice he would give to someone on how to, as a writer, how to break into comic books. And he said, just make your own comic book. With the way that we have it now in 21st century and the internet and social media, you can outsource your pencils, your inks, your colorist, your letterer, and you never even have to be in the same room with each other. And they can email you the files, you send them to the printer, and now you have your own tangible comic book in hand. So that's what I did. Nice. And so were you like a uh, lifetime, you know, reader? I mean, a lot of us, uh, I find, you know, we, we were into comics as a as kids, we might have sort of reached that stage where we, you know, we discovered other things and we, you know, went to, we went away to school and kind of, and then we kind of came back to comics or was comics something that you, you came to um, later? It was definitely something I was in and out of for mm-hmm. the majority of my life. Um, from the get-go, it was just picking up whatever looked cool off the spinner rack at the grocery store, you know, by the checkout line until the 90s came and I could, uh, you know, had some more money in my pocket and I thought stronger of what comic books I was buying. 
I didn't want to just get something that looked cool. I was really interested in some of the stories. And then that drove me into, all right, what else is this creator also producing? So I wanted to find out those other books that he or she may have done before and started following them. And that led to uh, more of a passion for it. Nice. So in the 90s, looking for stuff that was not just flashy and looking cool and actually had some story, you might have you might have had to do some digging there, right? Absolutely. You know, that was the era of um, gimmicks right there mm-hmm. with punched holes throughout the entire book and holographic covers. And, and I'm, I won't lie, I picked up some of those, you know, novelties, but uh, there were some diamonds in the rough. That's for sure. So when you saw the YouTube video and uh, you got the advice to, you know, the, the best way to sort of break into comics is, is, is to, to make a comic. Um, you, you had, you know, the, like a lot of us, you know, we, we read comics growing up and, uh, you know, you sort of through time, you sort of realize things that sort of work really well and things that don't really work well. So you sort of, you're building a skill set there, but did you sort of, when you made the decision that you wanted to write, did you go sort of get like how-to books or did you get comics and say, you know, this is an aspect I like of something. This is an aspect I don't like of something. So I'm going to take these things. How was, how was that done? Or maybe it was a combination of the two. It was mostly me going to the library and checking out any book that was related to how to creating comic books. And uh, I checked out as many as I could, asked them to send them from other libraries, in my County. And I found the, the two or three that, um, I felt were a strong subject matter where I could uh, use that as a a textbook to continue to write this story and adapt it to the comic book script. I found myself turning in uh, so many late fees that I probably should have just bought it (laughs) instead of kept on checking them out. But yeah, there was about two or three good ones and I kept those by my desk until I got the understanding of how to format it in a way that made sense with art direction and dialogue. And I'm still crafting that from one script to the next, just honing that. So I'm constantly trying to work harder on my art direction and um, using dialogue more with a sense of purpose. So it's something that it's always probably going to be a constant practice. Nice. And so were there like, and some of those how-to books, were there, did you ever get any that, that had sort of a sample script that was like the, the first mm-hmm. time you had seen like a, like a pro or somebody who was a little bit more advanced than their, you know, their, their timeline of, of creating that you saw a sample script? Yeah, they, some of them had sample scripts, but the, um, where I saw the best samples were just Googling them online. Some pros have just put out their uh, some scripts just to show you how they format theirs and there really isn't a definitive uh, one way to do it mm-hmm. you know uh, one, from one writer to the next it could be different and then I started leaning one direct one particularly to one direction and started uh, honing that area the most and I'm finding it that I like that one better yeah, I think, you know, there's a, there's a lot of folks who say that there's no one standard format for, for writing comics. I think maybe yeah. like if you do like screenwriting, there's sort of like a, an accepted sort of Hollywood way that you, you have to write it. But really right. the, the script is sort of a letter between you, the writer, and, and the art team. So as long as you're able to communicate the ideas and, you know, 
there might be a little bit of back and forth, you know, but it's really right. just a, a mechanism for, for you, the writer, to start the project, communicate some ideas. Um, so, yeah. I, Correct. And it, have you worked, um, have, have you worked with an artist uh, multiple times? Uh, yes. Uh, on Capable, uh, we've done four uh, stories so far. Only two of them are out right now, but uh, more on the way. And uh, the more I work with him, the more I can tell, you know, how to translate my art direction to him. Not just from writer to artist, but he also is from Indonesia. So there's a little bit of a language barrier there too. So I've learned that right, if I spell this out uh, a different way, I most likely will get the art that I'm looking for without having to send it back to him and redo it. Because he's very traditional and he's paying, uh, it's not cheap for him to get those boards to draw on. So mm -hmm. if he needs to do something over again, it's costing him money. So uh, the more I work with him, the, the better we get uh, the writer-artist relationship. Yeah, I've worked with folks that have been in Brazil and in, in Turkey, and I found that, um, you know, I might do like that first pass for, for mm -hmm. myself where like I'm not being as descriptive or as direct as I should have been. And then yeah. I, I sort of have to remind myself that, hey, you know, English is not this guy's first language. So I have to, I have to be clear here. Um, have you run into any uh, sort of like slang or, you know, ways that like, you know, folks in, you know, North America might think to have it translated to, to somebody in, in, you know, another part of the world? Yeah, I try to make it just, um, try to remove any type of cultural type of lingo that may not translate to someone else in a, another country. Um, I don't have a particular, you know, vocabulary words I think you works better than others, but I definitely something that's not uh, very uh, English PhD format. Sure. You know, I'm trying not to use those uh, 50 cent words that are, you know, you get a high uh, SAT score for. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I, I don't know those words in the first place, to be honest with you. <laughs> No, uh, yeah, as, as comic book writers, we have to, you know, basically, so-and-so walks into this room, and this is exactly. what they want, and this is what they say, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah, you don't have to pontificate uh, too much there if you, if you don't want to. And, uh, and I, also, I also don't like to write them into a corner. Uh, they're mm -hmm. artists, I, you know, I, they have their style. I don't want to force them to write in this small, or to draw in a small little box that they won't be able to. So I like to leave that artist... Um, uh, opinion to what they also feel like it needs to be that way it's part of their story too yeah I think it's 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 a lot of fun for for all those involved and then mm. you sort of um, you know I've talked I've had a couple of writers on and we've sort of talked about the joy of you've lived with this idea in your head for so long and then you and then you write it down and then you, you get an email and it's like page one is back and you, you open it up and it's sort of like that magical moment of I've yeah. lived with these words in my head for so long. I wrote them down on a piece of paper, but now they're, they're realized by, by somebody else. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's exactly sort of, or very closely to what you saw in your mind's eye, or it's something, you know, slightly different, totally different that you're like, yeah, that's, that makes a lot more sense than the sort of the thing that I was sort of locked yeah. into in, in my head. Absolutely. So, 
you had mentioned earlier that you were doing short stories that I believe you said were about the 30,000 word range, which mm -hmm. translate really easy to, you know, a one shot 22, 24 page comic. Right. Uh, what was the first comic that, that, that you, you worked on? That was uh, freak show princess. Freak show um, princess. Yep. Uh, that's my zombie, uh, one-shot horror uh, comic book, and that was, I learned a lot from that. A lot of mistakes going back, flipping through it, I'm like, oh, oh man. Uh, I didn't use an editor on that one either, so that, looking back, I wish I would have done that. I don't, I haven't spotted any, you know, grammatical issues, but there's definitely, I could have used some uh, help with the uh, making sure my dialogue flowed. There's some clunky sentences, in my opinion, uh, looking back at that book. But um, yeah, it was a great learning experience. Uh, I learned also a lot about the how to project manage with that book as well. That's helped me going forward. Yeah. So did you take? Did you sit down with the 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 short story and sort of? then sort of try to do an outline that you're like maybe this is like the midpoint of my my story and this is going to be like a reveal or you know this yeah. will be a good spot for for page turn so did, did you try to work it out that way i did i try to cut a lot of the prose out of it that when it or wasn't necessary um you know she walks into uh, the, the room i don't need to write that anymore i can just say you know jessica is now in the room uh so it, it's amazing how, how few words were needed to make that from a, a short story to a, a comic book format script. But uh, yeah, I had to, uh, I tried to break, do, do it in, um, uh, from beginning to end, but I did have to go back and forth uh, just to kind of um, realize, all right, if I'm gonna have enough pages too for a comic book, some of this is gonna have to stretch out a little further as well. Yeah, and so um, one of the things I really I liked about that um, that you did was the, the the way that it starts off. the The lettering is done with sort of like handwritten um, notes. Uh, notes on like a lined paper. Mm -hmm. um, was that something that you envisioned, or was that uh, did you letter the book, or did you hire somebody to do be the letterer? No, I hired a letterer, and that was his decision. Uh, C.J. Jeffrey, uh, he. He came up with that on his own, and I thought that was brilliant. I wouldn't have even thought about that. I just wrote it as just captions, and he made that decision, and I was thrilled with it. It worked out very well. Yeah, I what I really liked about it was with and and you know we 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 talk about the uh, the show don't tell sort of aspect of comics. Like mm -hmm. I, I I opened that up and I started reading it, and just just seeing the 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 handwritten notes on on lined paper, I was like, oh, this is somebody looking back at something they got and this this person might possibly not still be here that's why right. the, they're they're sort of in a way sort of holding on to something reminiscing about something so i thought that was a really great yes. way you guys did that and that's a, a reminiscing is a word i use a lot when describing freak show princess um, you know the main character she's trapped in this house but what we majority of the story is her reminiscing on, on the events that got her into that situation. Very cool. So the book that's currently on Kickstarter is uh, Freak Show uh, Night. Freak, yeah, Freak Show Night with a K. Yeah, with a K. And uh, does this tie into or just in the world of how does how does this happen or yeah. how does this work? 
it, it is, uh, I like to uh, describe it as a companion piece. It's not necessarily an issue two or a sequel, and it does take place in the same world as Freak Show Princess without needing to have read the, the first book. But if you have read it and you read Freak Show Night, you'll see some common threads between them both. And the the artist on that book, I, I um, his name is Stefano Cardicelli. He's an yeah, Italian I, artist. Yeah, I've seen a lot of his artwork sort of on uh, you know Facebook and Instagram, and it's it's a really it's a really great art style. It's very dynamic, yeah. sort of. Uh, I think the image that you guys have as your Kickstarter image is very sort of, you know, you can see the, 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 the violence being inflicted right. and just sort of, uh, how did you hook up with, with him? So my editor on the recount, uh, Andrea Molinari, he uh, worked with him, uh, with Stefano um, on a book at Caliber Comics. So um, when I, I made the tough decision to not bring back the same art team from Freak Show Princess, onto Freak Show Night. Um, at, uh, what I settled on was I wanted each of them to have their own identity. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe in the future when there's uh, enough of these stories that take place in the same universe, it'll have a nice, uh, the bound version of them all will have a great anthology feel to them. So I re reached down to my editor, Andrea, uh, and he recommended Stefano, and I looked at his work and I was like, wow, this guy's amazing. Looked at his past credentials and he's uh, done not just Scout and Caliber, but he's been published in Heavy Metal magazine several times. So I'm like, this guy can draw a, a zombie book for sure. And with Freak Show Night, it's much more violent than Freak Show Princess was, uh, where Freak Show Princess was a slow burn until uh, you get to the zombies, where it, we start off very fast with Freak Show Night. Nice. And uh, is... His, his I, I believe his art style is traditional. He's he's drawing that stuff pen and ink yeah. on a board, right? Yeah, it's uh, pen and ink, and uh, he watercolors. Uh, so that's painted colors on each of these pages. So it's um, it's a process. Uh, it, it's not digital at all, and uh, it, I I love it. Uh, everything every page sends back to me is a work of art. It's a masterpiece. So. Are one of those pages going to be framed and make it up to a wall in your in your, oh, in yeah. your studio? I already asked him, I'm like, can I at least get some of the pages back? And he's like, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so Very cool. Hopefully yeah, that... one of the covers, too. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, so uh, so for that book, the, the, new, um, the new Freak Show book, uh, Freak Show Nights, uh, uh, who's lettering that book? Uh, his name is Christian Dokolomansky. He's a, a Chilean letterer, and he also inks as well. Um, he is working with me on the recount at Scout Comics also. So um, I, we were in between issues on the recount, and I was like, hey, do you want to work with me on this upcoming uh, one-shot? And Yeah, it worked out smooth. And that's what I like about the more I, I'm working with on other books and other projects, I find people that I uh, comfortable with working before and can bring them back onto different projects as well. Yeah, and I, I would assume it's got to be a sigh of relief that you know that like you've worked with this person, they they mm -hmm. sort of, you know, you guys sort of have built up a, a, an ability to to communicate and you also know that that person is reliable, that they're going right. to turn in their stuff, so they're not, not going to sort of disappear into the to the internet <laughs> wilds for, exactly. for a while. So. Yep. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so I definitely want to talk about uh, the recount, but uh, before we get yeah. there, uh, the the other book that you've worked on that uh, I've read the first issue of is is Capable. So, uh, right. how did that uh, story come to you? So, Capable was my uh, second story, uh, second comic I uh, self published, and that was me wanting to uh, make sure I didn't uh, trap myself in the horror genre, mm -hmm. um, and I came up with a story because I love one if, what if concepts. What if just this one thing in our world was flipped upside down? And uh, I came up with the idea of what if um, persons with disabilities one day now have a superpower that's opposite of their handicap? And what would some of those individuals do now that they are not just capable, but they're super capable. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would imagine some of them probably have lived lives of being bullied and ridiculed and uh, lots of trials and tribulations. So they may not do what is the best thing that someone would do with that power. So the main character, Derek, he's a high school kid. And it's, uh, I wanted to give it like a Spider-Man feel, you know, like a Teen Titans, early X-Men feel to it. Uh, and it might, I pulled a lot of my influence from that 90s Robin solo title, um, which I was re very fond of. So it's a, a lot, the concept gives you a lot of um, storytelling uh, to open up to. So it's a fun book. Um, I wish I could put it out monthly, <laughs> but uh, on an independent budget, unfortunately. Two issues are out, third one's on the way, and a side story's coming out as well. Yeah, so I've, been able to to read the 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 first one you provided to me and mm -hmm. i think uh, i think one thing that you did that was great and you touched a little bit about this when when you talked about it was um it would be very easy to just sort of focus on the concept of this aspect of the world flipping and just yeah. but what you did really great and you know you talked about it having like a spider-man feel like mm -hmm. even before we got to to that stuff um you gave us a, a feeling for the characters and you made us, you know, sort of, uh, you know, unfortunately bullying is part of growing up in, in yeah. school and stuff like that. And it's something that we can all sort of relate to, but Absolutely. then when uh, just sort of like the, uh, the even, I, I'm trying to think of the best way to, to put this, but it's like, it's like, it's, it's bullying like extreme because these guys are right. bullying, you know, it's not like, you know, making fun of somebody because unfortunately, like they don't have the cool shoes. You know, right. the, the, these kids are making fun of somebody because, you know, they're, they, they, they need something to, to aid them in walking or they're in a right. wheelchair. It's like, it's like, so it's like, uh, it sort of really amps up the, the, the feelings that we develop for these characters before we get into sort of where the, the concept is, uh, Exactly. They, they, the, the, the people who didn't have the abilities now have abilities in some time, um, you know, uh, heightened abilities. Right. Um, was there any comics that you looked at to sort of, uh, you had mentioned that, you know, that some of these folks that might have been dealing with being picked on are now having the, you know, the ability to sort of take matters in their own hands. Was there any sort of, comic books you looked at uh, to sort of figure out how you wanted to handle that? Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say it, I was trying to 
necessarily uh, look towards it, but I want to say one influence is Mark Wade's Irredeemable. Okay. And and if you're familiar with that, and for the listeners who may not be, uh, that's the story. The concept or the elevator pitch is what if Superman one day became a bad guy? Mm-hmm. And again, I love what if concepts. So that the comparing the Irredeemable and Capable the are is like apples and oranges, but it is showing you how someone with uh, an awesome amount of power could do something very terrible in a blink of an eye. And that's kind of what I would like to see in some of the um, the villains that when they play out in Capable. And just and it's going to be a slow buildup to that. And Capable 2, the second issue, you'll see the first bad guy that the main character, Derek, um, is presented uh, against. And but you feel a uh, hope. You hopefully you'll feel for that bad guy because we explain why he's doing um, these things. But again, someone could just be straight evil that, that has these powers. So it's a a lot of storytelling, like I said, that can come from this concept. Yeah, I think some of the best stories um, that you have to uh, well, not you don't have to, but it, it, it's better if you can see why the the villain either believes he's doing the right thing or has a sort of way of looking at it that it might be um one example that we always talk about is uh the black panther movie with Mm -hmm. uh killmonger like he's a terrible you know human being he's he's, you know he's, he's going around doing these terrible things but when he gives that speech where he's like you have all of this technology that could be you know going to these 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 parts of of the world that that Mm -hmm. could use your help you're like he's got a good point he's got a good point so yeah (laughs) Yeah. so it's always important to sort of try to not have your villain just sort of be that classic mustache twirling i'm going to tie a a lady to the to the train tracks for for no reason kind of thing so yeah characters no that get that's old you know yeah. So what is your plan for, for Capable? I know that you said that, uh, I, did you say earlier that you have four of them sort of like written, kind of ready to go? Yeah. Issue three is almost done. I just need it lettered and I probably could start a, a crowdfunding campaign for it, but just with all the things that I have going on in the second half of this year, I don't, I don't want to rush a uh, campaign for that. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, uh, people who do follow indie comics uh, at the pace that I'm doing at, understand that it could take six months in between issues so i'm going to um wait on finishing the lettering for that put it out later this year maybe um crowdfund it in december and people can have it in hand in january there's uh the fourth um project in the capable universe is actually done i'm just waiting on the anthology that it's going to be a part of so it's a 10-page story that takes place um concurrently during the first issue with Derek's best friend, Harry, and what Harry was doing at uh, the same time when he discovered his powers. Capable One, you see what Derek was doing, essentially his origin story, if you will. But mm-hmm. his friend Harry also got powers, but they met up later at the end of the issue, and then those events occurred. So that 10-pager's done. It's penciled, colored, lettered. It's ready to go. It's going to be part of a an anthology with several other creators um, side stories that are original side stories that could be a prequel, uh, 
an extra tale, but um, just waiting on that anthology to come out. <laughs> the, the project manager has, um, you know, their plan for that. So hopefully it'll be in a couple months too. But eventually the, the idea is uh, I'll add that 10 page or two, like a trade or a collected volume. And do you want to sort of take that, um, that, that story, the, the capable universe, um, do you, do you sort of have a, cause sometimes when folks make like a series, they, they kind of know where they, they might want to end it, but they have some, they have some gray area that sort of, they don't have to get there right away. Do you, do you have your ending in mind or are you just sort of taking it as it goes? I'm taking it as it goes. I do have uh, an ending for the first arc. Um, but I, I would be sad if there wasn't anything after that. So I think it, if anything, a creator who's um, producing a book should at least have an idea of where, if you're not sure if it's going to go on as an ongoing series, at least be sure you can wrap up the story with an idea of maybe it could go on after that. So maybe at issue four, uh, we'll have a nice conclusion and a little teaser for more if something else can happen. Yeah, I think that's uh, it's a, it's a tricky thing to do, but it's 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 a good thing to do because, like you said, you're you're giving us the reader an experience and and conclusion, but maybe you're just sort of leaving like a a trail or a sort of hint yeah. at something that could possibly come. But if if it doesn't we have this, this story. So right. it's not sort of like, um, you know, so, so finite, you know, it's, it's a balancing act really. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's turn our attention now to the book that you have coming out from, from scout comics, uh, recount. Can you tell me a little bit about that book? Yeah. So the recount is going to be a four issue mini series and there's actually an ash can that's already out. Um, uh, I just got word that it was it's sold out as well, so that's really cool. And Congratulations! Those are, thank you, thank you very much. Um, that's four pages that take place prior to issue one. So essentially, it's it the Ashcan is uh, issue zero. That's how I wrote it, at least. And um, so the concept of the uh, recount is a fictional president who uh, is um, is resigning from after uh, his impeachment. He was found to be corrupt. Uh, he's assassinated by one of his Secret Service uh, detail. And shortly after that, the conspirators um, uh, admit to being involved with his assassination and they release to the public all the voting information because they want anyone that put this president into power to be taken out as well. And they're encouraging the public to turn on each other in kind of like a purge style uh, way. And that's my elevator pitch uh, for uh, the recount. It's House of Cards meets the purge. So it's, uh, I stress to everyone that when I get a chance to talk about the recount, it's fictional mm -hmm. people. <laughs> I am very apolitical. There's no agenda with this book. It's for entertainment purposes. Um, uh, it, words Republican and Democrat are never used. No one's modeled after any politicians that we know of. Uh, it's just for entertainment. And if you like things like 24 or Jack Ryan and the other Tom Clancy stuff, the uh, espionage style storytelling, I think you'll really enjoy this one. Nice. So that's cool that you said that it, uh, it's, it's, it's 
it's got a little bit of the purge to it because when I look at some of the 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 art images that I see online, it just sort of in the, even with like just sort of like some of the cover work and stuff, it sort of invokes like that that feeling. So like, yeah. uh, was that something that you so, did you, when you sort of pitched this and you talked to folks? Did you say, hey, this is this meets this, uh, you know, 24 meets the purge, like, so right. that they knew, and then, like, the, you were able to sort of look at sort of that, that style of, like, the movie posters from the purge and stuff like that? Yeah, so what I told my artist, uh, Gabriel uh, Nunez, I told them, I, I tried, let's try to make everyone have a different mask to make it seem like those uh, that are part of this conspiracy can just be anyone. So you could go out to the store, you can get yourself a mask and you're part of this group. Um, and I think that creates more of a haunting feel that uh, you don't know who is behind these masks. It could be someone that is in a leadership position, whether it be government or business, uh, or it could be your next door neighbor. So that's what I'm really trying to evoke in this story is uh, you don't know from one person to the next, who could be a, a bad guy in the story? So that, that provides a lot of um, twists and turns that you'll see throughout this series. Nice. So you said that um, you yourself um, are trying to make this an apolitical story, right. but as as you know, folks who are are being creative, it's hard to not be influenced by the the world you're living in so um you know uh you know for two guys living in the states it's kind of hard for us to not see news about impeachment corruption um questions about the the election so like a lot of that stuff um you probably were i'm guessing taking some of the uh you know the law and order sort of rip from rip from the headlines sort of way to sort of build your story, I'm guessing. Yeah, uh, the majority of the recount was actually written in 2019. So when the impeachment came, I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> and, and then there's a, there's a very violent um, police scene in one of the issues uh, and with the things that were happening earlier this year, I'm like, oh, this is gonna add fuel to the fire of the controversy. So, uh, you know, life imitates art sometimes and, and vice versa. Uh, I don't I think it's something that happened organically. Uh, I wasn't trying to take anything intentionally and put it into this story it's, uh, that was from our headlines. Mm-hmm. But uh, if anything, I, it makes it scarier in a way that, wow, this could actually happen. It's not that far-fetched. Nice. And so another aspect you, you mentioned was there's sort of the uh, the conspiracy theorist or the other uh, mm-hmm. folks who are who are hacking and releasing records. Um, mm-hmm. Did you sort of go down any Internet rabbit holes looking at like conspiracy theories and you sort of, you know, you're anonymous, you sort of you're, you're like your hacker groups and stuff like that? Yeah, I didn't go too far. I didn't go dark web. And I'm probably flagged by the FBI <laughs> now from all the stuff that I've Googled, especially um, uh White House uh, rooms. I w- wanted to know, like, is there a pool inside the White House? Is it an out? There's things like that I needed to know. So yeah, I'm probably on some watch list. But uh, um, I, I did more research on this book than I've done in, in any other book because I, I wanted things to feel accurate 
without it also being a textbook at the same time. You know, it is a comic book and you're going to have to suspend disbelief. Um, you know, uh, what's the likelihood of a secret service agent, you know, actually doing such a terrible act like that, but you know, there's still people too. So, yeah. I wonder if there's a way that we could, as writers, we could, uh, sort of like when we go into Google, say, I am only looking this up because I'm a writer, dot, dot, yeah. dot, and it sort yep. of puts you to the, you know, it, it puts you to a different queue than, than, yeah. than, than the main queue. You just enter your writer's uh, membership card number and <laughs> you're safe. Nice. So this is a four issue series. Um, did you, uh, when you sat down to sort of outline it out to, to four, um, did you, uh, or when you came up with the idea, um, how, how did how did you outline it? Did you just sort of go from beginning to end and then figure out like this might be a good spot to to, to tie up issue one or, or a cliffhanger for issue yeah. one or what? Uh, the I had the beginning and I had the end and then I just had to figure out all this stuff in, in between, uh, which thankfully the every issue kind of ends with the cliffhanger and um, that worked out on its own, thankfully. But I also have a outline for two more miniseries that I explained uh, to Scout. So if everything works out, there could be eight more issues with uh, them being broken up in two additional miniseries. So that that takes us even further down the, the rabbit hole of uh, the recount and the corruption that could happen. Very cool. So um, this. This, uh, this with Scout Comics, are you sort of, is there like a page count they want you to sort of aim for? Because I know like one of the, the, the limitations you might have if this was a DC or a Marvel book, it's like yeah. 20 pages, 22 pages. Are you, do, you, do you have a little bit of leeway with, with, with Scout? Yeah, each issue of the uh, recounts, uh, at least 24 pages. And that's just the way I write most of my stories. Uh, and I'm paying for every page. So with them, it's as long as you're paying for it, uh, essentially, and it's supposed, if it should be in the book, it's not just, you know, uh, filler, then mm -hmm. why not? Uh, I know they've printed other books that are uh, 36 plus pages. Or they, of course, the retail price on them is going to be more expensive for printing reasons. But uh, yeah, they, they haven't told me, no, you need to keep it underneath a certain page count, which I'm grateful for. So the what's the 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 plan release date for for uh, the recount? Issue one comes out November eleventh. Um, it can be pre-ordered right now by your local comic book store. It's in, it's in previews. Nice. And was that a a special moment for you to to open up previews and see the the cover and in, in your name and previews? It it was. I I couldn't believe it. All those years of me looking through previews and circling the books I wanted and bring bringing it back to the comic book store and telling them to order these. And I'm wondering if some kid's doing the same thing with my book. I think that's, that's really cool. It's very surreal. Nice. Um, so do you, uh, you know, we're, we're in the middle of a, a pandemic and hopefully everybody is, is, is being as safe as, as we can. Do you have any plans uh, for, for release day? Like it's, it's an, another special moment is going to have to be walking in yeah. and seeing it sitting on, on a rack and in, in a shop somewhere. Right. Yeah, I do have some signings lined up, and uh, part part of those signings is how safe are those stores with you know the, the COVID guidelines. So I, I 
they've kept that stuff under consideration. I'm keeping that under consideration. So as long as everyone's safe and we're not jam-packed in on, on top of each other, I, I think it's okay. And I've also am hoping that November, you know, it's around the corner, so, but it's two months away. Hopefully we get thing, the numbers are going in the direction that we want them to by then. Yeah, fingers crossed that, uh, yeah. that that's the case. Um, you had said earlier that one of the reasons why you wrote uh, Capable is because you didn't want to be sort of uh, known as, as a horror writer or, or pigeonholed as, as a horror yeah. writer. Um, so with this book, you're sort of, it seems like you got a lot of like action, mystery, you mm -hmm. know, military, espionage kind of stuff going on. Is there, is there any other stories that, that, that you would like to try to tell? Yeah, I would love to do something that's more of the typical, I, I know Capable is a superhero story, but something that's uh, more uh, superheroized in like the big guys, the, uh, um, the mutated creatures, things like that. Uh, I would like to a little bit more sci-fi. Um, and I, I'm, I have, my wheels are also spinning in my head for a time travel book that I, I'm hoping I could do within the next couple of months, start fleshing out the storyline for that. So yeah, more sci-fi sci stuff, um, maybe something in space. You know, that uh, could be uh, more of a challenge. But yeah, I want to really sh flex my creativity to people and show that I'm, I'm a diverse writer and can I'm not just you know a one-trick pony I, I can only do this particular genre yeah and that that's that's really that's really good and I think like a lot of times like what folks don't realize about the the medium of writing in comics is is that you can tell so many different types of stories you right. can tell you can tell a zombie story or you can tell this sort of high concept jack bauer meets the the, the purge story because mm -hmm. you know a lot of times I'll, I'll i'll talk to you know some of my friends that aren't in the comics and they just think it's you know batman punching a guy in right. the face and i'm like that's that's superheroes that's that's a yeah. genre that's not the the the, the medium of, of of comics and and that's right. what you're doing here exactly yep Awesome. So uh, I had a lot of fun talking with you about these these projects. So um, as we close up, let's make sure we let folks know about the the Kickstarter that's going on now. We're we're recording this in the the, the middle of September, um, okay. and you have about two weeks to go. Yeah, it ends October first, so around I think the morning or or noon October first. So there's two weeks left in the campaign. Uh, please check it out. It's Freak Show Night with a K. Uh, we're already funded. We're reaching stretch goals, and those stretch goals are really cool. Um, please take a look at it and see if there's anything you can do uh, to support. Awesome. Well, we're going to have a link to that that Kickstarter um, in the uh, in the in the show notes to make it as easy as for everybody. You know, click Thank a link you. and just call the the, the page up. Um, so. In addition to that, where can folks find you online to stay up to date on the the things that you're making? The um, main social media outlets, uh, Facebook, Twitter, um, and Instagram, Jonathan Hedrick, that's H-E-D-R-I-C-K. Uh, -E my handles for Twitter and um, Instagram are basically my name without the vowels in it. So if you search for me and you see that uh, username pop up, that's probably me. Awesome. Well, we're going to link your, your socials in, in the in the show notes as well. Um, and as we, you, you did it once before, but I think it would be good as we close up. Um, do the uh, do the pitch for for the recount uh, 
on the yeah. way out because we definitely want people to you know tell their shops to to order that so that uh yes. do i have it right in november that, that they can pick up their copies right right uh, november 11th they can start ordering it now so the the recount is a uh political thriller where a fictional president who is found to be corrupt and is exiting the white house on his own actually is um assassinated by one of his secret service agents during his resignation speech and quickly after that this uh underground movement called the masses uh make it known that they were responsible for this and they're going to be responsible for other killings and encourage the public to turn on each other by releasing the voting information for that corrupt uh president so it's a very fast-paced story of uh, looking over your shoulder, who can you trust? Uh, and I think uh, a lot of people are going to enjoy it. I think it's going to um, uh, be very entertaining. Awesome. No, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued by the, the, the elevator pitch that you gave there. Um, okay. And maybe, if possible, once that first issue comes out, if you want to come back on yeah. we'll, we'll give folks maybe like a week or two to get their hands on it and read it and then maybe we can we can come in and, and talk about issue one after it's out in the world and yeah. sort of do a a, a breakdown as we've all that. had the chance to to read it and sort of digest it in our mind that would be great awesome well uh thanks uh thanks for being on jonathan i'm uh i'm excited um i'm backing the the, the kickstarter and uh you. you know you uh you know, I've definitely been intrigued by the the art I'm seeing on the recount, but but talking to you just now, it's it's even more sort of like that sounds like it's right up my alley. So awesome. I'll, I'll I'll be I'll be ordering a copy as as of that from my shop as well. Cool. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that, Matt. No problem. So uh, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. If you could give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast, we're on Twitter at ConstructComPod. Instagram is ConstructedComicsPod. Facebook and YouTube is ConstructedComics. Um, also, please check out the Facebook page for Ageless Press. Um, Ageless Press is running a uh, Kickstarter for Dino Thrashers. Um, Noah, the co-host of this podcast is the the artist on that and i'm helping out as the publisher um so there's going to be links to our stuff and jonathan's stuff in in the show notes so uh anybody wants to check that out they can um i'd like to thank everybody for listening uh please uh be safe be nice to each other and go out there and make some comics